welcome in to the ACT or Dynasty podcast. It's good to be back, guys and gals. It's been a little bit, but we are now into the deep throes of the NFL playoffs, and fantasy is a couple weeks behind us. But wanted to get back to you with a episode here. Um, we're going to try to do these uh, twice a month as we go forward. Interviews like we have today with Aaron Mernon. We're going to go through the postmortem on the title chase squad season. Uh, talked a little bit about our rookie draft, where our Debbie assets are, some offseason NFL moves, etc., etc., stuff like that. Today, let's start off by talking about our rookie draft order and some significant draft items um, for our rookie draft upcoming. The list goes with the first overall pick will be TDs, Megan and Lindsay. Then we have at two, Jay Schwinn, three, the Bortz Bros, four, again, Jay Schwinn. That would be Tim's draft pick. Fifth picking is Lucas. That's me. Six, Alex Campbell can be soup. Seven, Christian, uh, the Seaman team. Eighth, that's me again. That is uh, with the second first round draft pick that I have this year. Ninth, we have TDs again. Then Christian again with his second first round pick. Tim gets his first first round draft pick at 11th, despite finishing in the bottom of the bracket. And then 12th again is Christian, his third first round draft pick. Some other notable picks later on. TDs have uh, 2-1 and 2-3, so they have four picks in the first 14. Tim has two second-round draft picks as well as he has the fourth pick in the second round and the ninth pick in the second round. Uh, some notable uh, guys who really went for it and came a little bit short will not have a lot of draft capital. Brian Lowey undefeated back-to-back champs of the league. His first pick is not till the last pick of the third round. Aaron's first pick in the draft is the first pick in the fourth round. Bodzi and Jim do not pick until the ninth pick of the fourth round. Bodzi and Jim only have two picks in this draft, and they have no Devies coming in. Speaking of Devies, uh, Devies all declared that we thought they were, except for one notable exception. That would be DJ Uyunglele, who had a okay season as Clemson's quarterback, but not what you're expecting from a former five-star recruit quarterback. He will be transferring to Oregon State from Clemson uh, for his fourth year of eligibility. We'll see how that goes. Obviously, quarterback, very, very, very important as we transition to Superflex, but uh that would have left me with five incoming Devies. That would have been a lot. I have four. Eric Gray, running back, Oklahoma, declared. Jackson Smith, the Jigba, wide receiver from Ohio State, declared. Zach Evans, running back, Ole Miss, declared. And Rakim Jarrett, wide receiver, Maryland, declared. The TDs, of course, have the 1-1 Bijan Robinson. Even if this was, uh, uh, e- even with a super flex league, if Bijan was going, he's going to go 1-1 in a lot of leagues. That's even with super flex. He's an absolute amazing running back prospect. We have the meets has two uh, coming as well as his top two for uh, top two picks out of the four uh, first round draft picks that we have Jameer Gibbs running back Alabama and Keishon Butte LSU wide receiver a little bit of a drama with uh, Keishon Butte who originally said he was coming back to LSU and then a couple of days later declared that he was going to go to the draft um, I from all reports the folks down in Baton Rouge says thanks but no thanks go to the NFL Keishon we don't want you back around here um, he did have some issues earlier in the year with his usage and development he is an absolute stud of a uh, prospect great athlete but did not put it all together on the field and there was some clear issues with the new coaching staff down there in lsu malik neighbors um, was the lsu wide receiver that did most of the damage for the tigers in their very very impressive sec west championship winning team 
not Keishon Boutte, so that was a little bit surprising. So he's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Uh, two other Debbies coming out, wide receiver from Oklahoma, Marvin Mims. Um, that's on the immigrant squad, so although he does not have a pick until the uh, last pick in the third round, Brian Lowey does have a wide receiver that would be projected to be a second-round draft pick in a rookie draft. And then Seaman have Tank Bisbee running back from Auburn coming out. Um, so no quarterbacks um, whatsoever. Uh, we thought maybe DJU might come out, but no quarterbacks. So that leaves us with all the top quarterback prospects to be picked this year in the draft, which as we transition to Superflex, will have an even higher increased value, I believe. So I think even though we don't have a lot of top end studs because of the Devies, I think the top of this draft stays just as interesting because of what uh, reaches we might see at the quarterback position as teams try to prepare, especially those of us at the bottom of the league, still looking at, at, at some pretty strong squads for the next year, maybe two that uh, it's worth it to take a risk on a quarterback, maybe earlier than you would like to as we transition over into super flex. Alrighty. There's just a quick catch up on that. Um, now we're going to get to our interview with Dr. Aaron Mernon, who Renamed his team to start the year, title chase, chased the title, and came up short. We're going to talk all about that in a hotly anticipated interview. Hope you enjoy. Alrighty, guys and girls, we got him in. It's been a tough time. We wanted to give him a chance to settle down and clear his mind and get some thoughts straight, but he is still literally physically sick from losing to Cyrus in the semifinals. You're going to hear it in his voice. Let's bring him on. The manager of the title chase squad, Aaron. How you doing? How you feeling? You're still sick, I can tell from that loss. <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, yes, I'm still sick from that loss and uh, not feeling so good today. You can hear it in his voice, folks. You can't fake this. He is still sick from a semifinal loss to Cyrus Cooper in the 2022 season, where the run to the title it was in his name and it was the expectation. So. Let's, let's really get it done. How are you? How are you feeling? How, you've had a month after uh, a 141 to 110 loss to Cyrus. That was week 16, Christmas weekend. So most of the games were on Saturday evening. Um, you were with Christian that, or uh, with uh, Cyrus, sorry, that whole weekend, weren't you? Yeah, that is correct. We were uh, back at their parents' place um, for uh, the holidays. So walk us through that Christmas evening night. You're watching those uh, Saturday games and... It was it was over on Saturday. It was over after those games. What was the feeling that night around the family? Uh, did the you know Christmas treats taste a little less delicious? Were the lights not as bright and colorful? Did you know Rudolph's nose not shine brightly? What what was going through your uh, your mind that night? Uh, so the game the game was actually decided around like three thirty that day. Yeah. So like Cyrus came over in the morning before the one o'clock games. We were packing up the car um, and just kind of talking about the game and. Uh, I was expressing some concerns about the weather and about just like having a lot of guys playing that one o'clock Saturday slot. Um, yeah. So we watched about an hour of the game when we left, it had become competitive. So I think he was probably projected within like 15, 20 points instead of like 30, 40 points. Um, and the weather that day was real shitty. I don't know if anyone tried to drive, but like 70 was, we were probably going 40 miles an hour and, you know, the roads were just absolute garbage. So we show up to, uh, his parents' place. It took us about twice as long to get there. You know, we obviously immediately, like we're popping the apps open. We're trying to see what's going on. It was like, all right, we're now like dead even in terms of projected points. And I think within about five minutes of being there, 
uh, Justin Jefferson ripped like a huge touchdown and, and it was, it was pretty much over at that point. So the first like 30, 40 minutes was like terrible. Uh, just like adjusting to the new reality that I wasn't going to win that week. And, uh, the title chase was, was pretty much destroyed. Um, but after that, I mean, it was all good. It was all good, huh? So just uh, a, a cuff couple hours there that's that, uh, that Saturday evening and that's it, huh? No lingering feelings? No, not really. I mean, it was nice that it was over so early um, yeah. because like, you know, Sunday night we were kind of watching the game and, and, you know, trying to figure out if there was even a scenario like Cyrus and I were talking about whether or not there's a scenario where I could come back. Um and it was just, it was too far. So then Sunday, you know, we go over to their grandparents' house. It's like, they have a huge family, right? So there's like 50 people in this house doing a bunch of stuff. They're drinking, there's cooking, you know, everyone's having a good time. It was nice to just to like not think about it and like, or like, you know, it to be a low priority since it was already over. I didn't feel like I needed to like pay attention to what was going on, um, which is the point in time where, uh, that video of Cyrus grittying across, <laughs> across <laughs> yeah. the, the living room uh, came from. So I got to see a lot of Cyrus dancing. Um, glad I could record some of that so everybody else could see it too. Oh, there was uh, more we didn't see, huh? A lot of dancing, uh, a oh. lot of celebrating. I mean, hey man, it's it's uh, you know he did, he earned it. You gotta you gotta savor those victories. Uh, and you know, he won home court advantage and he took full advantage. We literally packed up the car and all our belongings and, uh, traveled to his home court. So that sounds like excuses. So we're going to skip over top of that because your team doesn't need any excuses to lose. So let's, let's get into it a little bit later. You said it sounds like you got over it pretty quickly. You know, that night of you're enjoying Christmas festivities. How are you feeling now a month later? Oh, I feel pretty good. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've had time to like think about it and I know that you have some, like, you want to ask me some specific questions about like roster management or like reflecting on trades. I like, I don't know. I don't think I would have really done anything differently. I still think like my team is really good. I expect my team to be very competitive next year again and the year after that and for the foreseeable future. Um, There weren't any like lineup mistakes I made that week. You know, I, a, a literal polar vortex hit the Midwest and the East Coast, and I had a lot of guys playing outside, like right in the middle of it. Do you sit Jamar Chase that week? I mean, you can't really do that, right? Like, can't you know, no. it's like a lot of those games slow down, and that's kind of out of your control. I think it was also either the lowest scoring or like the second lowest scoring by a point game that I had on the season. So, like, not a lot you can do about that. I scored the most points on the season, like that's kind of in my mind like you know you got 14 weeks to put together your regular season if you score the most points in that time in the league like I think that demonstrates that your team is good and you can win and then at that point you kind of just got to hope that your matchups line up well you play teams each week that you cannot that you end up outscoring and ultimately win man tough Tough. Tough to do that. You dude, like you said, you scored the most points in the regular season. You made 113 transactions by far the most in the league. Oh, um, okay. yeah. Yeah. So um, I think the next closest was 87. Um, so, so yeah, you, I mean, you, I think you did everything you could. Um, you felt great going in the playoffs and it just feels like you, like you said, and you left it all on the table and just left it up to the playoff gods. Right. 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I do, I, I have wondered a little bit, and I think you and I talked about this before, like every year what I'm usually targeting is, okay, can I score the most points in the regular season and can I win the division? Because I feel like those are things that you can, you a little bit more control over as opposed to right. like one, one single week sam- game One week sample size, yeah. Exactly. It's like, it's really difficult to hinge your evaluation on whether or not you're successful. I mean, it's like playing poker, right? Like you want to play in volume because if you do have an edge, you'll see it in a larger sample, but like in any given hand, you can play, you can play a hand really well and still lose it um, all the time. So the last two years I've done those things. And so I do wonder a little bit about, okay, like, is there, is there something that maybe I should be focusing on that I'm not focusing on that can be the difference between leading the league and scoring and getting a buy and winning the whole thing in my I don't know I think my perspective on it now is just like you know that's just kind of how the how the how the cookie crumbled the last two years and you know if you play it out a hundred times like how many times do, do those rosters end up winning I don't know the answer to that but I don't know I'm there really isn't going to be a change in terms of how I'm doing things all right. Well, let's get let's get down into that because you said. I mean, one thing I want to talk about is let, let's get into your regular season because, and I it's kind of revenge. It is revenge, re, uh, revisionist. But let's say you do end up with a number one overall seed, and the same thing plays out. Oh, you God. actually move on to the championship. You know that, yeah, right? Because Bodzi and Jim scored one hundred and six points. So there were some things. All right. So coming into the year, expectations were high. You changed your name to title chase, obviously. I mean, great little pun there. Um, So was it title or bust coming into this year? Do you feel like this is a, you know, with your preseason expectations, do you feel like you fulfilled those or, I mean, you kind of just went over it with winning the division and stuff, but you did change your name to title chase. It's kind of a little indicative of what you wanted to do this year, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it's title or bust. It was title or bust last year. It'll be title or bust next year. Um, yeah, man. I mean, we're poised to do it. It's we just got to do it. All right. So you started off the year three and zero. You're buzzing, and then you lost to me. That's pretty funny. Um, but still, you're a points four killer so far through the first six weeks. Five and one, 144 average points. You're banging. Um, week seven, bus boys go off and beat you. So now you are five and two. You feeling anything at this point, or anything through the first seven weeks where you're like, hey, I don't know, or ooh, we got to shake this up. Darren uh, Waller injury, right? Yeah, the Waller injury was tough, and I tried to kind of to solve for that a little bit. I had picked up Cole Komet. I had started asking about tight end trades. I ended up getting Conklin late. Um, I think I might have made another move. But, yeah, the Waller injury sucked. But at this point, this is when I was starting to kind of try and sort out whether or not I had a shot to catch um, the one seed still. Because at this point, I was two yeah. games back, and I was like, all right, well – I just need one loss, and then if I win in week 11, I still have the points for tiebreaker, so I was still kind of playing it. Um, but I think this was probably about the point in time where I was like, all right, wins and losses don't matter as much. Like, the division is at hand. I think at this point, like, the division was already it was locked up. Locked up. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you, you know, regardless of what happens to you at this point, you're going to get the bye week. Um, and you're, you, are probably too far to get the one seed. So honestly, at around week five, I kind of was just like my destiny to from now until the playoffs start is probably sealed. 
I mean, come on. really, you only had one loss at that point. You still had a two matchup losses. with Lowe. Well, so week seven, you got your second loss. Week seven. Oh, sorry. So, week seven is what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, you have two losses, but Lowey has none. But, I mean, you just need Lowey to slip up once and then beat him. That's not out of the question. No. Um, and then, well, let's get to week eight because that's where I think, I mean, you, I, I have a hard time believing you felt that after week eight because you became the first team in the history of this league to break 200 points in a week. Oh, yeah. Which is incredible. We should we should definitely take a moment. And in the postseason awards, you know, we're going to go through and do some postseason awards. That's going to be up there for one of the highlights of the year. That's unbelievable. Uh, AJ Brown and uh, CMC had 36 points. Cook had 22 points. Diggs had 20. Mahomes had 20. Absolutely massive numbers. And you actually left 11 points on your bench because you didn't start backup running back in Washington, Antonio Gibson. Um, so, <laughs> um, did, how did that make you feel? Now you're 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 seven, you're eight, and yeah, you're seven or you're six and two, and you just put up the first 200 point performance in league history. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I if my memory is serving me well, I think it just kind of reified the approach that I've had since we started this of like, you know, you score as many points you can, you win your division. And then like, you know, when you're dropping 200 points in a week, it's like, it doesn't really matter. In my mind, it's like, it doesn't really matter who I play. Like assuming my team doesn't not show up, which is, you know, kind of what happened in week 16. It was just like, you know, you never know who's going to play well in that single week. So I know like in the past I would really sweat like, like last year, I think I was like, Oh, I got to get the one seed so I can play the wild card. But then it's like, you know, a wild card team just comes off a win and they're hot late. You know, you don't really know. You don't really know who's going to do well in week 16. So to me, it was just like, great. We're on the, we're exactly on, on track with where we need to go. We can win any week. We can beat anybody in a given week. Um, yeah, no change. I think honestly, it's just like no changes. Like what, you know, what would you want? What would yeah. you change? Yeah. Okay. And then we get to weeks nine and 10, you roll to some pretty nice, easy victories, setting up the most anticipated match of the year, week 11 against Lowy. Um, you lost, but you put up 134 points. Um, did this change your mindset at all? Are you still right where you were earlier? Other than this just basically takes off the number one seed. No, I think, yeah, it definitely sealed no number one seed. And I think it just continued to draw attention to how weak my tight end group was without Waller in the mix. Yeah. Because um, it's like, really, it came down to like on any given week, if if that guy, whoever is playing in that spot, doesn't score a touchdown, like you're almost flirting with like a zero spot at any yep. given time. So that was definitely on my mind, which... But yeah, I think same thing, you know, it was just kind of like, all right, I, cause I think too, and this was consistent through the year, but like I was tracking each week if me or Lowey would have won head to head. And I think we ended up splitting on the season. So like, it was just kind of like, okay, like I, you know, I lost this week, but I would have lost, I would have won, you know, the last couple of weeks and not a lot to change. So let's just hope if, and when we match up in the playoffs, like, on that week i will have outscored him yeah that's an interesting point i never thought about going back to back heads up but that makes sense i think you only outscored lowey by like 60 points on the whole year which i mean over 14 15 you know 14 oh, weeks, i think that's it was nothing, i right? think it was less i think it was, was it less like than closer that to like 16 oh was it so it was super that's tight. yeah it was super tight yeah it was super tight and our points against were really tight too like really if you look at our regular season we almost had like from a scoring and points against we almost had like the same year that's wild. Yeah, that is wild. Um, all right. So then you come off and you lose to Jay Schwinn in week 12. Yeah. That's kind of weird. <laughs> like, 
yeah. that was weird. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't remember. Is that the week I lost by like three points? Or is that the I had like a really low score? Like maybe I had 108 and he had like 127 or something. That's what it was. It was okay. your 110 week. Yeah, you had a 110 okay. week in there. So yeah, very weird. Yeah, just a weird week. Honestly, at the time I was like, great, let's get these out of the way. I was like, if this team is going to have a 110 game, I'd rather have it now than in the playoffs, right? You know what I mean? Like, you're thinking, like, law of yeah, averages. Yeah, absolutely. That was, that was kind of where I was at. And where I was seated, again, was already set. So, like, I know, like, in the chat, there was a lot of, like, oh, like, lost to Schwinn or, like, lost to Campbell. And, like, internally, I was like, none of this matters. Like, none of yeah. this is changing anything. Um, so, yeah, Except kinda... sometime fantasy football is a Shakespearean play, and these are ominous signs looking into the future. You know, yeah, and... I mean, but if, <laughs> hey, man, if Shakespeare was writing it, you know, you you want the added drama, right? You want you want yeah. doubt, so that way, if and when you win, it you know it doesn't feel as much like a foregone conclusion. If this was not a Shakespearean comedy, this was a Shakespearean a drama. It's, <laughs> it's a, a tragedy. tragedy. <laughs> it's a tra- yeah, it is a tragedy. Yeah. So you go into the playoffs, and like I said, I you got to wonder getting that one seed because if you flip weeks, you win. You put up. It's kind of tough too. You put up 155 points in your bye week. That's tough. Yeah. Especially, but like, what I, are you gonna I, do? I, you can't I, do it. Too. I'm pretty yeah. sure you did. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like that's that's like you know we talk a lot about right like the things you can control and not control. So like a year ago when the league pushed to 18 weeks, I was a real adamant proponent of we need to push the playoffs back, right? Because mm-hmm. week 14, which would have been our wild card, people had buys. And there was a lot of opposition to that at the time. It was like, no, like we've always done it this way and teams will probably just sit players week 17 and 18. Well, it's like if, okay, so, you know, if we would have done it that way, right? There's like all these like little nuance, like butterfly right. effect kind of things where like, you know, can change the outcome of those things. So, and then you get into the playoffs and we already covered it. The loss to Cyrus. Um, yeah. So that ended your season. Um, so let's get into the now what? Yeah. We are moving to super flex and I don't think any team is better set up um, than your team. You have Mahomes and Jackson, both MVP level guys. We have a little concern with Jackson's contract situation. What do you th- think what are you feeling he's still an immense talent like if he's not in baltimore he's fine like you feel pretty good up there yeah i actually feel really good when i acquired yeah. lamar last off season my expectation was that he would be on a new team next year um yeah. because they were already taught like i thought he might hold out last year because there was already problems between him and the front office and i think a new oc would be good for him i think if he leaves he could land somewhere much much better for him yeah um and honestly, seeing him on a team that doesn't have, like, the Ravens' philosophy, I don't like that they, like, turn the, you know, play volume goes way down. They want to slow things down. I would love to It's see a hardball him. team. Yeah, it's a hardball team. Like, the brothers aren't too far apart, you know? That's what I'm saying. I, I would rather yeah. see him in Miami. I'd rather see him playing for the Jets. I'd rather see him play anywhere pretty much else. Um, oh, my God. Him with Garrett Wilson. Brees Hall, that would be with insane. that line. I mean, dude, he yeah. would just be a he would be a fucking monster out there. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I feel really good about the quarterback situation. I have two stars. I, you know, I think our league is often pretty short sighted with things. So, I would guess there's probably a lot of. I'd imagine Lamar someone that maybe people are down on just because you know he missed half the year, um, and he's a couple years removed from that MVP campaign. But like, I don't know, he's 25 years old. 
he's probably a lock for a thousand yards on the ground anytime he's healthy for the year. Yeah. I don't know. So I, yeah, I feel pretty optimistic. Yeah, you should. I think there's a pretty clear gap to number the number two team in the league quarterback wise, which is, I don't know, maybe Probably TDs, Cyrus, right? You think oh, Cyrus? Maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe TDs. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I like Dak and Justin a lot. Cy- yeah. Cyrus with Jalen and Kirk, but like. And Deshaun Watson. Or are we out on Watson because of the <laughs> last four games that he's played? I don't know, man. Football's hard. It's hard to take two years off, and the Browns are a disaster of an organization. Does anybody think that St- uh, Stefanski can pull it around next year and save his job? I'm not yeah. putting money on it. You, you don't think, think you... so? Yeah. No. I think he can. Nah. No, I think uh, I, I think the Steelers are better. Um, I think the Ravens definitely fall off, but then the Bengals are still the Bengals. I think you it's think be the hard. Steelers are better than the the Browns right now? Next year, I think they will be. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think you get TJ Watt for a whole year, and I think that offense is going to get upgraded in the offseason. And I, dude, they have the second best coach in the NFL. He's unbelievable. He's, he is he's a really great. good coach. But like, he's great. part of why he's a good coach is because he's doing way more than he should be able to do with what he has. Yeah. Right. But yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So running backs still super young and a ton of talent. Uh, Cook's the oldest, but I think you're fine. Still, you had running back number two, running back number six, running back number 10, running back 22, 31 on the season. You also had running back 34, who is uh, that would be Jonathan Taylor tailback, who was running back one last year and obviously got injured, but he was 34. Um, how you feeling there moving forward? feel good. New quarterback in Indianapolis, probably. New coaching staff. I feel good about Taylor's bounce back. He had two really good yep. seasons. He's got, I mean, we talked about him before, right? He's got like an, an incredible profile and early success yep. in the NFL. Um, I'm really excited about J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. Um, feel really good about him. And I think the removal of Lamar with that coaching staff's desire to run the ball, I think is going to translate into more volume for Dobbins. Um, because I think it's going to be hard for them to find a replacement for Lamar on the ground. Um, who else? Now, this is clearly your position of strength. I mean, you got Cook, CMC, you know, all those guys. Like, is And we're going to get to it a little bit later, but you have absolutely no draft picks this year and That's no correct. Debbies come in. So, you know, this I'd is obviously a place where you like backs. to move. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to move some of the backs. I'd like to move some. I mean, obviously, right, you want to keep your younger guys where you can. So I think I'd rather move... Some of the older a cook guys. or a CMC or yeah, uh, like that in yeah, domain. but I don't know. Yeah, I feel good about the running backs. I I'm guessing you're gonna ask about the receivers next. I feel really good about that position too. I think Jamar Chase is still like the one B in terms of like play, fantasy like, as a whole. Yeah, yeah, me, yeah. I just like I think that he's really good. And I, one thing I like about him over Jefferson is that because he's so athletic, I think he's harder for teams to take away in a given week. Yeah. Um, whereas I think Jefferson is prone to that a little bit. He disappeared twice this year. He had two like nothing games where they like took him, maybe the first game of the year two against the Lions, I think. But yeah, they just took him off the field sometimes. Yeah. Um, but let's also not, you know, it was the weather a little bit, but Chase was off the field in your, in your playoff loss too. Yeah, it's true. He still scored 10, though. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a bad game for him. But, yeah, I all that to say, I think Jefferson's probably still 1A, and then I think Chase is right behind him. But, yeah, love Chase, love A.J. Yep. Brown. A change in scenery has done wonders for him. Um, and I feel like it 
really put some, I think it, it, it has been helpful in reaffirming my decision to move Chubb to get AJ Brown. I have really been a believer in him and I thought Tennessee was kind of holding him back. And when he went to Philly, I think a lot of the chat was still not our chat, but just like discussion around fantasy was like still a slow offense. Jalen hurts is a question mark, blah, blah, blah. Um, AJ Brown's a stud. He looks amazing. Uh, I don't think he's slowing down. Diggs, I think still has, has multiple good seasons in front of him. And then sure. uh, Deontay Johnson. I love Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson like intersects between the two pillars of buy low in that he's on a terrible passing offense and he had zero touchdowns despite having like 150 targets. Um, if he gets traded or if you're correct and the Steelers offense gets better, then I think he, I mean, like he's going to slide in and, and probably be a I don't know, top 25 scorer again. Like he's all right. That's of. enough of your, that's enough of your infomercial on you trying to sell Deontay Johnson. That's enough. Let's, let's get back to you finishing third in the league. All right. Let's not, let's not try to sell Deontay Johnson too hard here to the fine folks uh, that listen to the AC tier dynasty podcast. You want to, you want to run back our Amon Rob bet on, uh, <laughs> on Deontay? Yeah. Top 24. Top 25. Top twenty. <laughs> I love how you slipped that five in there right now. Let's no. Let's go. Let's go twenty four. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. We'll go double. Double or, or nothing. nothing. Double. Or yeah. Nothing. All right. Let's do it. Good double deal. or nothing. I'm hot right now in sports gambling. I back to my bread and butter, the NHL baby. Just cashing tickets three for four <laughs> last night and hit a plus four hundred anytime goal scorer, Kirill Marchenko, baby. He's back. He's back. All right. <laughs> And then tight end, I, this is going to be something we bring up in some more post-mortem pods. Like how, what's the percentage of teams you think out there in the fantasy landscape that won the title that had Travis Kelsey on their team? It's got to be like one of the most ridiculous amounts, right? 50. Like did Travis Kelsey do more for dynasty or for fantasy owners that won this year than what Cooper cup did last year? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the actual numbers, but I think maybe just the positional advantage was, it was on it was unbelievable it was like having two extra starters on your team it was it was insane but how you feeling about darren waller suspect situation in vegas coming back but bums um, they're all bums all my tenants yeah. are bums <laughs> i hate them all i don't all like right. cole commit yeah uh i think isaiah likely is fine but like it takes tight ends what five years to like yeah he's 22 yeah so like, he's still so young i'll have kids by the time isaiah likely is relevant um <laughs> Right. So like and yeah. Darren Waller, I mean, he's been hurt the last two years. If he can, if he can be healthy and maybe he gets a change of scenery, like I think he could be good, but yeah, the tight end room is, is pretty, pretty dicey. Pretty brutal. Um, I mean, I think that Rob Gronkowski pickup was great on your part. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. I mean, I picked him up too. I had him on my team and then dropped him, and then I picked up OBJ. So I think we're both playing the same game there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, tight end's brutal. Tight end's absolutely fucking brutal out there. Um, and do you, But do you really see that? Like, I don't think there's going to be that big of a despair. There's no way. This is the most historic year from a tight end, like, in terms of the number two um, ever. They talked about it a ton on the Kansas City playoff game against Jacksonville, what um, Kelsey did. It's not going to repeat again next year, so the, the gap is going to be smaller for sure. Do you think your tight end position, the way it is going into next year, you can win a title with the tight ends that you have right now? Yeah, I do. I okay. That. You don't think you're going to have to move uh, a running back to upgrade that position or maybe the 2024 first? 
Um, no. I mean, if I could, then I, 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 that's definitely a deal I would, I would give consideration to, um, and I'd be open to, but I, I don't know. I, I'd be surprised if I could find something like that, that works, that's realistic. Um, and I don't know. I mean, like we talked about, right. It's like, it's not like my team couldn't have won this year, right? Like the pieces were there. The production was there. We had a down week in week 16, I think in week in some from the commissioner side, I think like in some ways not being at like the title, the way that the title would have looked between me and Lowey with the way that Monday night game got canceled, I think would have been really messy. Yeah. Um, I think like our projected points were like less than a point off and our total scores would have been about four points off when the games ended with Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs and Jamar Chase live. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't know, right. In another, in another version, if we like, I don't know, reset the league and rolled the dice again, like I think my team could have won. And so I don't know, I think we can probably win next year with the tight ends we have. Gotcha. Yeah. That Monday night would have been messy. I, I had a league where it was me and my brother-in-law for the title game. And we were together actually watching that matchup. I needed Josh Allen to score me six points. Um, he did not score six points before the conclusion of that game. So we were stuck in a pretty messy situation there for the title for the entire league. But uh, he's a gentleman and he gave me the title because I, I think it's pretty obvious. And I know a lot of people used week, what they do, use week eight, uh, week 18 scores, right? I know a lot of people did that. I, f- I feel like I've heard all kinds of crazy shit that people yeah. have been doing. Um, a lot of hurt feelings, I think. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> quick, quick tangent on that. Oh, my God. Talk about butt-hurt feelings, Cincinnati fans. Oh, the home field advantage. If I hear another thing about, like, they, the NFL didn't want us to happen, refund the tickets, it's the most nothing story of all time, and it drives me crazy that the defending AFC champions need to, like, rile themselves up by, like, the NFL selling tickets to a game that could have happened. It's the most ridiculous thing of all time. Anyways. Ohio um, against the world. And it drives me nuts. Yeah, like, oh, they just didn't want us there. It's like, no, you're planning a massive event that's 10 days away. You need to sell tickets. Like, get the hell out. Like, whatever. Yeah. Oh, my God. Cincinnati Act, grow up. Just grow up. <laughs> you have an amazing team. You're in the AFC title game back-to-back years. You won last year. You went to the Super Bowl. You're not like some JV aw shucks team, all right? Get the hell out of here. Anyways, um, yeah, so let's look at picks, too. This is in the future. I think this kind of... I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, you got your your team's pretty young. But we know the aging curves on running backs; those quarterbacks are going to keep you in the game for a long time. But um, you have all late picks this year; that's not a problem. You're going to reload, but that 24 first, um, and then you have your 25th first and seconds. Those are pretty much uh, your picks, and that's it. How you feeling about that in the picks world? Uh, I'd love to get more. Yeah. I I think like. Um... You know, it's always hard to get picks in this year's draft, right? You know, people are already starting to look at players. They got guys they like. Um, but I'm looking at picks in the future in the first two rounds, just trying to kind of build up more draft capital so that way, you know, I can kind of keep the boat afloat moving forward. So we don't see a time where we burn it all down to the ground if it maybe doesn't happen next year for you? Hey, you never know, man. I've <laughs> I've done the full rebuild before, not in this league, but like, I know what it looks like. I think it's fun to do. I think now is a tough time to do it because so many teams are tearing it down yep. that the market, you know, it's not just like, it's not just one team or two teams. You're competing for rebuilding assets with like five teams. Um, so yeah, I, it's not something I want to do anytime soon, but you know, 
it's not it's never out of the question so what's the offseason checklist look like for you? It looks like selling Deontay Johnson, obviously. We got that infomercial out of the way. No, Deontay Johnson um. <laughs> is a is a real is a real thing, right? He he had a he's had two top twenty-four finishes in the two years prior to this year. He had zero touchdowns on 150 targets, and he's on a bad offense. I I genuinely believe he will be good and not great, but like he will be much better than he has been this year. Uh, the goal this offseason, I think, is to move move some running backs, get draft capital. Running backs, plural. Yeah. I, I mean, I have I have a shit ton of them. Um, and I think whereas others maybe believe less in Dobbins and Gibson, I do believe in those players. And so that frees me up to move players that, like, are universally believed in, if that makes sense. So universally believed in Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook. Those yeah, guys. That, exactly. That crew. I think, I don't know. I think, again, back to the short-sighted thing, I think there's a lot of doubt around Swift in our league particularly. I, that's been the case since he came into the league. Um, people just don't like and until he gives, until he delivers the top five, top ten season. I think most people are just kind of like, I don't know. Call me, call me when that happens. So yeah. So Swift, I'd probably take off that list too. I think of him more like Dobbins in terms of his market in our league. But um, yeah, the other guys, absolutely, they're available. Uh, tight end would love to get an elite tight end, but I don't see that happening. So draft picks, you know, young players help me kind of diversify the the age range of the players that I have. That that's kind of what I'm looking up. Alrighty, man. What else is going on? What else is good in your world? I think we covered it pretty well. Covered the postmortem. Um, anything yeah. else you want to say on the the team and looking back on the year? Um, I don't know. I I expected you to ask about trades, like that. Yeah. I, I I just assumed that would have happened. Um, so yeah. I mean, I, I think you made a lot of moves, like to upgrade your team. Like you said, you got the you got the Dobbins trade with me earlier on in the year. Like, I mean, what more could you have really done? I wouldn't have made the Gibson deal. That's yeah. the one trade that I think if I could go back in time and reverse, that's probably the one. Um, yeah, I don't know. That think- Gibson trade is Gibson. You three first round draft picks for Gibson, a first and a third. Yeah. So basically Cyrus. what happened was I moved up one or two spots yep. via a pick swap. So really what it was, was it was two firsts both last year. Um, for Gibson and I think it was like six and maybe 10 or I don't know something like that um and I think at the time when I was looking at it I was looking at taking Rashad White and maybe Tyrion Davis Price so like you know it's not like I really missed out on anything that I'm gonna lose sleep over but I think I probably could have done more with those first round picks than acquire Antonio Gibson and that's not anything against Antonio Gibson. It's just really like a log jam that you had at the running back spot, or what do you think? Just efficient use of those first more than anything. Yeah, I think just more efficient. I don't know, man. I for as much as I like to like tongue in cheek criticize the Washington coaching staff for not using Gibson more. Um, there's obviously a reason that they're not using him. And right. even though he's more efficient and more explosive, like I don't know. It for as many cases of like Aaron Jones as we have, right. Where like the analytics community is banging the door down for them to move 
Jamal Williams and some of these plotters out of the way so he can emerge. And then he does. Um, I think you also have players that just like never break through that wall because the coaching staff, I don't know, they see something that maybe we don't see. So like, you know, Pollard and Zeke, I think most people would agree that seeing Pollard more would be better for everybody. Yeah. Um, but man, they just love those one and a half yard gains up the middle to Zeke. <laughs> Um, and football guys, like they love that shit, right? Like, you know, you got to establish the run, you got to be physical, you got to do all this stuff. So I don't know. I have some concerns that Gibson will never get the opportunity he had in year one and year two. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. All right. All right, man. Well, what else is going on? What else Uh, is good in the fantasy world? Anything else you see in some off season stuff? Uh, some guys declaring or not declaring that you were kind of interested in for the draft or anything you're looking forward to? Yeah. I think the two things I'm most excited about because I, and I think you and I are the same way with loving the draft process. I am most excited to watch the Anthony Richardson saga and the Kayshawn. Oh my God. Saga play out um, in the draft cycle. I think that's going to be really interesting to watch. The Butte one is already, we talked about, I talked about it in the intro. That was fascinating to see him say he's coming back and then declare because folks in Baton Rouge may not want him around the program and but he's such a stud it's going to be very interesting to see how it goes and there's going to be some things that leak out about him over the next couple months and I'm very intrigued to see what those are yeah and I I can you can almost like hear the the draft case now of like elite freshman year a lot of excitement And then, you know, each year he's kind of been a little less exciting. Yep. Gets hurt, hurts his lower body, which I think will flash some people back to Laquan Treadwell. I know, like, I've thought about that just because it's the same injury. Um, And then he's got, I don't know, it sounds like a consent, like consensual sexual activities. I don't know a lot about what, what got him out of LSU, but like the character concerns narrative is going to play its way through and, there are a lot of other good wideouts in the class. So I'm, I'm just interested to see how he tests and kind of what happens with him. And then Anthony Richardson is like one of the wildest prospects I think I can remember in the last 10 years. So it, he's yeah. going to be real fun to just see like what the NFL does with him, where he gets drafted. And I think like a lot of the media stories about him are going to be so outrageous and just absurd that it'll be, it'll just be fun to, It'd be enjoyable to to watch and listen to. Yeah, I think that's going to be really interesting, especially I think our league now is, like you said, like it's very interesting to see the way our league reacts to things. And I think now that we're in the the Superflex dynasty that I think people are probably going to overreact and maybe reach a little bit for Mr. Richardson. That's just me, but I'm excited to see that, especially with how many teams have multiple first round draft picks oh, yeah. um, to, to where you can see, you could, you can get yourself into it real quick. I, I'm fascinated about the Will Levis thing, to be honest, more than oh, yeah. the Anthony Richardson thing. Um, I mean, everybody's trying to chase the next Josh Allen and that's all we're going to hear, but dude sucked this year. He was not good. <laughs> like, <laughs> There is no other way to put it. Like at a certain point, like I, and I love doing this too and looking into it and the, you know, the combine numbers and the blah, blah, blah and stuff. But like at the end of the day, you got to go out and you got to fucking play the game and like watch the film. It was not good this year. It just wasn't good. Yeah. So it, that's the quarterbacks are going to be fascinating. I, Who do you, you think is the best quarterback in the class? CJ Stroud. Yeah, I agree with you. 
quarterback in the draft. So yeah. he won't. I don't think he. I don't think he'll be the first quarterback taken. But no? I think he's the best. No. Do you think Young goes first, or do you? I think, think Young. I think Young goes first. Okay. So, I think Young goes first. I think there's concerns about C.J. Stroud's stiffness in the pocket, but I think he's the best quarterback out there. To be honest, I, I though I, next year's quarterback class is so much better. I think that's a very interesting thing to talk about too. Is looking at next year's quarterback class yeah. more compared to this year's, but Stroud's awesome. And then after that, there's, ugh, I, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I hope Chicago can parlay that first pick into something. I hope somebody moves up for, you know, somebody and makes a big splash. It's going to be interesting to see. So yeah, you th- you, sure. you're with me with Stroud though. Yeah. I, I actually feel pretty confident with Stroud. I think that yeah. Levis has an outside shot as exactly what you said. I think someone chasing Josh Allen, and excusing some of his shit yep. um, for the Josh Allen reasons, I think could happen. I I don't know, man. I think Young is gonna get is gonna get really hurt through the the draft process. Oh yeah, he's gonna weigh in under two hundred pounds. He's gonna yeah. weigh in under five, or he's gonna be like five ten and a half, five eleven maybe. There's not gonna be a six in front of there, right? So he's super small, and it's like. Yeah. You know, all of the criticisms that I think Stroud has, Bryce Young also has. You know, he's also in an elite system and being yeah. 185 pounds and like 5'10, uh, your margin for error, I think, goes down. And mm-hmm. I don't know, man, the NFL, like they're, they're, they're susceptible to bias just like everybody else. That Georgia game that Ohio State played, that shit mm-hmm. is going to be in people's minds. I think that as the last memory people have of Stroud in college, I think. I don't know. People are going to use that to wipe away their concerns about Stroud. And I don't know. I think he probably goes one overall. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was the second most impressive quarterback performance of the year. Probably Hendon Hooker against Alabama was the most impressive. Yeah. Um, But like that CJ Stroud performance was insane. Um, I, I think there is like a clear tier for folks with the top like four, I guess. Like I think it's one and then two through four or two, th- two through three. Re- I think it's one separated by two and then three through the rest are kind of the same, like all the way. Like I like Tanner McKee. He had a bad Stanford team, but you talk about like the draft process hurting people like Tanner McKee is going to be helped a lot by the draft process. I think the Stanford quarterback, he's going to do really, really well through the entire process. And I think that could be somebody that goes maybe in the second round and gets a lot of hype in our rookie draft. So yeah. Anybody else about those like guys, like from like hooker down to like, Maybe even like I don't know, like this Lindsey Scott Jr. guy from uh, Incarnate Word in One Double A, like had an insane playoffs. He was recruited to LSU and then went to some junior colleges. Uh, uh, anybody from like that range down that you really are interested in seeing how the draft process plays them out? No, to be honest, I don't know. I don't really know about anybody after probably Richardson. So I know I know a decent okay. amount about the top four. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've never really thought about quarterbacks that much before. So switching to super right. flex is a lot to think about. And I need to probably catch up and do some homework. Um, also too, I got only late picks. So yeah, I think any, any work that I do for the draft this year is really just to try and pilot test a process to pick quarterbacks so that next year, if I'm taking one, I at least feel like I have a better handle on how good or bad I might be doing at picking one. Now, can we talk about that? Because you do have a very high pick next year, possibly. You have one first rounder. How are you feeling about that first rounder looking at the uh, the Bortz Bros squad for next year? 
Yeah, I mean, it. it's always nice to have a first-round pick for a team that's actively tanking. A lot of yeah. times it's it's your own first pick, right, when you are executing a tank. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've talked to – David and I have talked a lot. I know that they want to try and make a move to reacquire that pick, and we had some deals that were close in season, and so – I think it's possible that I end up moving that de- that pick for something um, that can help. But the idea of having that pick and getting a shot at a Caleb Williams or a Marvin Harrison is super enticing. Um, you know, every once in a while it crosses my mind, you know, what if next year is the year that we take the ship home and then we also get the 101 uh, that would be, you know, that's like the dream scenario. You get to add yeah. Caleb Williams to a championship team. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I, it's exciting to think about who's in that class and we're still a year away. So it's all rainbows and butterflies right now. You know, we're not talking about anybody's like the problems with their profile or whatever. Um, and everyone's going to get great, great draft capital and they're all going to run great and look great at the combine. So yeah, I don't know, but Caleb Williams is obviously the dream. Caleb Williams, you also have Drake May in that class. You have Quinn Yours is eligible to come out next year. That's really intriguing to me. What if Quinn Yours puts it together this year and just becomes the you know perfect recruit that everybody thought he was going to be? Um, it's very, Spencer Rattler looked really good towards the end of the year in South Carolina. He's putting yep. it together. It, next year's quarterback class is pretty insane, if you ask me. It's pretty interesting to want to have one of those top picks. And if we do have two, three quarterbacks go one, two, three, then you maybe just get the best wide receiver prospect in a long time coming out in uh, at wide receiver with Marvin Harrison Jr. at like fourth. So Dude, he's so good. It's he's the best player. Maybe Jalen Carter is hard to say that he's not the best player, um, but like second best player in college football. He's probably the best player in college football going into next year, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. He's he's just it, it's it's so fun to watch these guys who are just like truly special. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. It it's going to be really fun to see him operate through the draft process. And I think he's going to be like really, really high likelihood success guy. Just like going to come in immediately and be a factor and just be super, super fun. On that note, have you been seeing there's some rumors about him and USC Uh, to transfer? Yeah. They're very subtle, but they're out there and they've been kind of swung for the last week and they're, they're kind of not, they're not loud, but they're all out there. I find that very, very interesting, and it doesn't make a ton of sense to me um, just because you had the Bolitnikoff winner, Jordan Addison, transfer there, and he hurt his draft stock this year with a quarterback who won the Heisman. Like, he would have been drafted higher last year, for sure. He had more hype around him. And if you're Marvin Harrison, why would you transfer? If you do anything, you sit out, right? Like, why not sit out? Yeah. I don't I mean, know why that's not getting talked about more. Just sit out. You can't do any. Like, what more are you going to do? Win a national title, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the question then is like, how do how will evaluators take a year, an intentional year off? Like, I feel like Chase got away with it because of COVID. Yeah, but like a player who's actively just like, all right, I'm I'm gonna wait a year. But no, I mean that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about that. I didn't know that there were rumors of him transferring. I don't think that makes sense. I think when you go and play with a like Caleb Williams, everyone is looking at as like the clear cut best quarterback in college. So if you go and you're successful, you're not building your case because exactly. that's what people expect. But if there are, you know, it takes time for them to get acclimated. If they have a couple bad games, then it's, well, Caleb Williams was the best quarterback without you. So how are you making him worse? Like clearly yep. like, you know, 
So, I, yeah, I, it makes sense to me why he would stay. He's going to be a top 10 pick no matter what. Um, so, you know, probably yeah. doesn't matter that much. I would imagine he's probably focused on putting on a little bit of weight and just getting a little bit better before yeah. he makes that next jump. Yeah, I think that's makes sense. Like I said, I, I I don't understand it, but they've kind of been out there from not super credible sources, but not like you know Twitter bots. So we'll see where that <laughs> we'll we'll see exactly where that goes. I think that's really interesting, and I think a lot of it too might have to. I, there's a guy who, for all intents and purposes, didn't play this year, who's might be the first wide receiver taken, and he plays on the same team as him. You know, so like that's where I like kind of get the maybe just sit out, man. Like. Yeah. Jackson Smith, the Jigba might be the first. He sh- probably won't be. Do you th- There's a good question. Do you think he's going to be the first wide receiver off the board? Um, I'm trying to think. Who else is in the class? Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison, and Jalen Hyatt are some other big names, first-round guys that folks are talking about. I don't really like any of those guys. I The only concern I have with JSN is if he doesn't run well, the criticism that he only plays out of the slot and that he's not as big as like you want an X to be. I think yeah. in order for him to be the number one wideout taken, he's going to have to run well. If he does that, yeah, he probably is. I don't know, man. I think the Quinton Johnson against like legitimate competition, I don't know. I would hope that evaluators see some of the problems with his profile. Um, I think he, I think we talked about this before. I think he's a lot closer to a Josh Dotson, uh, Kelvin Benjamin hybrid than he is Calvin Johnson. And so I think the whole, like, he's going to be taken in the top 10. I'm, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. To me, it's JSN. I think if you asked me a year ago, I would have said it's Keishon Boutte, like, no doubt. Yep. Um, and I still really like Boutte. He's like one of those guys where if he goes in the fifth, I think he's the guy, like, you want to target at that second, third round turn, if his value takes a dip, but yeah, I, yeah, you're probably right. It probably is JSM. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I think Aaron and I are going to be sitting down over the soft season. I know we had the idea to do some fireside frolics uh, through the fantasy world. Um, We have some really interesting topics, some off season stuff that we can get into. So I hope you enjoyed us bantering a little bit. Aaron, would you be down to come back and maybe talk about things like players we've changed our minds on, uh, look back at the mistakes that other teams made this year, maybe criticize some other teams and trades and stuff like that. Yeah. I'd love to do that. would love to come on and talk like rookies or just like you said, players changing over time. Hopefully I'll be feeling better at that point in time. And yeah. It's been a month, man. You got to get over the loss. Stop being sick. <laughs> All right, just move on. So yeah, man. All right. Thanks for coming on. That was Aaron title chase with the L in the semifinals, but coming back strong, probably be preseason favorite next year. What do you think? You think you'll be the preseason favorite? I, I hope not. That it didn't, <laughs> it didn't work out well for me. I'd, I'd rather just be a contender. And Lowy hasn't lost a game in what, like 45 years? Jesus. Yeah, it's been a while. So, all right, man. Thanks for coming on. Good chatting with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. See ya. Later. All righty, boys and girls. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Aaron and myself regarding his season. Bright and chipper, you know? I mean, very reasonable, pretty sound logic. Just sometimes, and ain't the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, he will be coming back strong next year, looking to move some running backs. Obviously wants to sell Deontay Johnson. Don't believe anything he said. Jesus, could he laid it on any thicker there? Um, thanks again, Aaron, for coming on. We're going to take another, like I said, probably a little break here. Have a 
another guest on in two weeks. Hopefully um, bring another fun podcast to you guys. And I hope you enjoy your lovely winter weather. Have a good one.